John chapter 8, and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much. You're a good, good God, faithful in all your ways. Lord, we look to you now for utterance in the Holy Ghost, boldness to speak your word. May each person have eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts open and receptive. Lord, give us that which is necessary and right for today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're, we're talking to you about the eyes of your understanding. And this is the third part in this series. If you want to get caught up on part one and two, you can get CDs or you can go to our website and podcast it, uh, download that for free, and that will be very helpful to you to get caught up. The eyes of your understanding. John chapter 8 and verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, I want you to notice this. Let me just throw this out. He's talking to those who already believe him. He said to the ones who believe him. How many know just believing in the Lord is not the final step? That's the beginning. They believed him, and he said to those who believed him, If you will abide in my word, then you will be my disciples. Can we see that discipleship and believing is not the same? That you can believe in the Lord, but not be a disciple of his? And he went on to say, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In other words, their believing in him was not sufficient enough to bring absolute freedom in every area of their lives. There were still truths that they needed to comprehend and understand and have deposited into their lives to make them free. So, just back up again real logically so we understand where we're coming from in this message. That if I am bound up in my life, the thing that I lack is truth. If I consistently struggle... The thing that I'm missing is truth. The other way to say that would be this. If I'm bound up, I am believing a lie about something. I am deceived to some degree. Otherwise, I would be free. Okay? Now listen, there are methods of deliverance and healing and God bringing change in a person's life. Um, certainly we believe and practice and exercise the elementary principle of the laying on of hands. And many people are set free from physical uh, problems and disease and sickness in their body through the laying on of hands. You can speak the word. Remember uh, the, the guy who came to Jesus said, speak the word only. There's power in the spoken word and taking authority in the name of Jesus. And many people are set free from problems through these methods but everybody say but, but. in order for a person to <laughs> you shouldn't be saying that in church <laughs> in order for a person to live and remain free the thing that is necessary is truth it's not uncommon for a person to be delivered or set free from some type of affliction through the prayers or ministry of another 
and then in a short period of time, they go back into the bondage that they used to be in for those problems to come back upon them again. Some would look at that and say, oh, I guess it never was really real. Well, certainly it was real. You knew it was. But many times people go back in and they've cleaned out a spot in their life that was full of junk, but they never replaced it with something true. And so they were delivered from the outside, but they couldn't hold on to it and maintain it. How many know church is not intended to be drive by, fix my life up and see you later, be back in a couple years? Why? A person cannot remain free with that type of attitude towards the things of God. They must be replaced. Remember, Jesus told one person after they were set free, he said, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. In other words, they were set free while the person was in sin. This is good uh, side note here. Do you know that just because you've got sin in your life, that doesn't keep God from setting you free? Your freedom or healing or deliverance or answer prayer is not based upon your sin. It's based upon the blood of Jesus and what he's done for you. That person got it. But then notice, Jesus wanted the guy to stay free. I don't remember, was it a guy? <laughs> anyway, he wanted the person to stay free, and so he gave them truth. He gave them instructions as to what they were to do to stay free. Jesus also taught us this regarding the unclean spirit. Remember, he said the unclean spirit, when he goes out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest, finds none, returns to the place that he, was, that, that, that he used to be. He finds it empty, swept, and garnished, and he goes back into that person and brings seven more spirits, more wicked than himself, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So someone experiences a legitimate, life-changing deliverance from evil and from bondage, and then later they end up twice as bad, or worse than they were before. How is that possible? Well, what's been delivered, they've been delivered from, they, they're cleaned out and they don't replace it. We're intended to live full of something. Full of the Lord, full of His Word, full of truth. For when we know truth, we're free. Not just when someone prays a special prayer over us. And I want to get you free, and I attended a great service, and I'm free. Well, listen, that can happen. But I don't know about you. I'm interested in long-term freedom. I'm interested in being free a year from now and not just having i got to pop into one of these great services where the Spirit of God's moving and flowing and, and get a little relief. Okay, Church is not supposed to be an aspirant. I, I feel better now. Wow, I'm sure glad I came today. I feel better. Well, glad you feel better. <laughs> But tomorrow, don't you want to feel good tomorrow? And, and this is where these principles that we're sharing with you now, truth, can uh, be long-term uh, effective as in, in keeping us free. Praise God. Now, back up in, your, in the book of John to chapter 3. John chapter 3. Verse 19, Jesus said, And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Notice, what, what did men, do men love? He said, they loved darkness over light because their deeds were evil. Now, we were making this 
analogy last week, continue today, because it's throughout Scripture. Light and darkness in the Bible give us insight and understanding. We understand light and darkness very well, naturally speaking, probably why it's used so much. Uh, but this, this gives us a glimpse into spiritual realities. And when we talk about our eyes being opened, flooded with light in our minds to perceive and comprehend and understand truth, uh, light and darkness is a real good picture of that. Okay, When someone is in light, just naturally speaking, you think about light. What, what does light do for you? What does light do for our planet? What does light do for plant life? Uh, how many know they don't grow without it? Uh, without light, we stumble around in darkness uh, and don't know where to go. You know, at night, we create lights. <laughs> Thank God for lights and light bulbs. We need them to see where to go. You know, whenever a person is, is suffering from depression, how I many know they're very likely, many cases, they will get into their house and keep everything really dark? Why is that? They pull the shades, and instead of letting the sunlight in, they want to sit in, in, a, in a dark room. Well, why, why is that? Well, those things really go hand in hand. When someone's in bondage, when someone is depressed, that is darkness. And so they relate well to darkness physically. But we can see the parallels of so much. We know that light can bring heat and it can bring energy and growth and, and usually a happy person. You know, I, I've read one time that people who live in uh, Seattle and Portland and those areas, that they are much more likely to smoke cigarettes. And the reason given was because it's cloudy more often. And because they have less days in the year of sunlight, and apparently from this thing that I read, there is a uh, biological effect on the brain when someone is in darkness more. And when the sun shines, it releases certain things, and people are, in a, are generally more happy about themselves. And so you get into a place where there's that little thing going against you. It doesn't mean people can't be happy there, but they got that little bit of thing going against them, they compensate with nicotine more frequently than people in other parts of the country where it's lighter. I thought that was interesting. But light is important. Get out in the sun. Yes. Amen. We have our first day today. <laughs> Second day. Praise the Lord. Let me just throw this out to you. You can throw this out if you want. I'm not quite jumping on the bandwagon that getting out in the sun's bad for you. No, I'm just, no, I don't have a Bible verse on this. I'm just thinking the Lord created the sun. And I'm not going to be quick. Oh, avoid direct sunlight. Whatever. You're going to get skin cancer. No, I'm not. What about the people running around naked in Africa? All their lives. They never get skin cancer. You ever studied that stuff out? Anyway. If you don't agree, I'm, I'm not operating in my pastoral gift right there. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just talking. I'm not saying that's the word of God. Just, it's just, thus saith me. <laughs> anyway. Uh, 
This is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Why do people uh, gravitate towards darkness and love darkness? Well, I mean, I'm talking about in a spiritual sense now. Well, how many know if you don't look at the light, you can pretty much ignore what's wrong with you? And many people don't want to walk in the light. They don't want to look at the light because it shows up everything that's wrong. And that's not really comfortable to look at. It's not real comfortable to look at things that are not right in your life. Darkness is something that conceals and kind of hides things that are wrong. And, but here's the deal. How many know that just because you don't look at it doesn't make it go away? If I refuse to look at something wrong about me, it doesn't mean it's going to go away. And many times Christians will do that in, in this regard. Uh, there are things... That's going, that are going on in their lives and they know they're wrong they know they're not supposed to be that way and they really don't want to deal with it and don't want to look at it so they just don't but behind the scenes while they're looking the other way it's getting bigger it's growing how many know sometimes you know you're you know you haven't been exercising or eating like you know probably you ought to and you're feeling it a little bit <clears throat> Feel a little bit right there. And so you avoid scales. <laughs> because they're evil. How many know in reality a scale is not evil? It's just a revelation. <laughs> it will open your eyes to what's really happening. Just because I avoid the scale doesn't mean it's not there. And doesn't mean my weight isn't going up or whatever. Uh, <laughs> And I can stay away from it, but again, it doesn't change the reality of what's happening. And if I ever want to deal with what I don't like, then I've got to look at it. Got to take a real good look at what's wrong. Uh, weeds happen. How many know weeds? Have you ever had weeds in your yard? In the flower bed? They are evil. They're, and in the lawn, they're terrible. And many times they get avoided. And you look the other way, pull in the driveway, and. You know, because they're not fun to look at, but you don't look at them, and, but they still look at you. <laughs> they keep growing, and they get bigger and bigger, and the more you leave them alone, the worse they get. They don't get better for lack of attention. And uh, we had a house one time where behind the back fence of our house, there was a, it, w- it was a house that had a road behind it, and uh, behind the back fence, there was a little space of dirt there uh, where there's... I guess there should have been a sidewalk. They'd have been nice. <laughs> but there was just dirt. And in that dirt space, we were responsible for that dirt. But weeds would grow. And we didn't like to look at them. I didn't like to deal with it. Amy never dealt with it. <laughs> and, uh, but the weeds would grow. And you know how many know if, I, if I'd have gone back there just every now and then, a few, few whacks and they're dealt with. Little roundup here, and they're dealt with. But instead, we just wouldn't look at it. Drive the other way, and and if you then they, then they get big, get bigger, bigger, and then the city sends you a letter, says take care of it, or we will, and send you a bill. <laughs> and uh, but there was more than one occasion where the weeds got too big, and, and then it was a big job back there. And uh, uh, but how many? If, if I just look at it. I could deal with it right away, and it wouldn't be as difficult. But many times we don't like to look at stuff. Why are some people avoiding us today? Why are some people avoiding this service today? Well, maybe uh, for some, they don't really want to see what's wrong. 
they don't want to see that there's something not right about their life. And of course, that's not our goal and desire to point out their problems. We don't, that's not what we're into. But, uh, but people know that when you get into a light place, some things aren't comfortable to look at. Some things are, you look at yourself and think, ew, I don't like that. But only a wise person will do that. A wise person will take an honest look at themselves. What's right and what's wrong? Here's another side to this. You know, do the flip side. You know that when our eyes are open, we see clearly about ourselves that you're not going to dislike everything. Some of what people are depressed about and feel bad about in their own selves is a lie. And when the Lord really opens our eyes and we see clearly what He has made us to be and how He sees us, man, you'd be, the, you'd be so happy. You'd think, wow, I should have looked a long time ago. I should have got on the scale. Man, it's not so bad. <laughs> I should have looked a long time ago because much of what the Lord has done in us, oh, it'll make you happy. It'll make you glad. You think your life's a wreck and just miserable. If you only saw through the eyes of the Lord what He sees, He's pleased with you. He smiles every time He thinks about you. Come on. He's got, a, he's got your picture in His wallet. Loves you so much. Amen. Let's look at verse 20. It says, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Amen. Amen. So again, why do people love darkness? Well, again, there's problems. They don't want the ex- uh, their deeds to be exposed. And uh, realize that also hiding in the darkness is the consequences of sin. It also hides out of sight. When we don't look at what's wrong and what needs a little bit of attention, the repercussions to that are also hanging out there in the darkness, out of sight. How many know that's why we sometimes do things that we know are wrong, but we don't see the consequences? They're obscured from our view. We think, oh, it'll be okay. It's no big deal. They're also hiding there in the darkness. Shine the light on it first. Let's get a full view and understanding of everything that's involved in these decisions before we make them. Now, uh, let me give you a few points here. You're in John chapter 3. I want to give you some keys to understanding. All right. We could also say this. They are keys to seeing. Because that's our desire in this message, in this series, and throughout our life. We want to see accurately and clearly everything the Lord has made available to us. In John chapter 3, this is the first one. Number 3 is the new birth. The new birth. This is where many of us already qualify for supernatural insight and sight. In verse 1 of John 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one... Uh, can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him and said, You're right. I am a teacher come from God. And is that what he said? <laughs> I mean, no, sometimes Jesus will change the subject on you. If you're not talking about the right thing, he'll change the subject. <laughs> Be ready for that. I want to go pray about such and such. Well, while you're praying, be ready. The Lord might want, not want to talk about it. Because there's something else that's more pressing. And it's more important for you to, to talk about and understand right now. 
That's one of the reasons, by the way, that coming to a service like this is valuable to us. Because when I read the Bible, I can read whatever I want. If I turn on the TV, I can turn on whatever channel I want. If I'm going to watch good Christian television that comes on Sunday mornings at 9. If there's something I don't like, I can turn the channel or turn it off or, you know, if I recorded it, fast forward or whatever I want to do. But when you make yourself go and you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know what the message is going to be, you set yourself up to eat peas and carrots, not just ice cream. In other words, someone else set the menu. And in this case, me, and I endeavor to my best ability to hear from God and to be led of the Spirit so that when you come, you might be thinking, I'm really hungry for this. But you might get a different answer. And it might be the very thing that you need. Nicodemus needed to hear about being born again, didn't he? Let me get to my point. I'm trying. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot, what? See the kingdom of God. Notice he did not say he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He said he cannot see it. Of course, that would definitely include entering. You're not getting into heaven aside from the new birth. Or being born again. That's what Jesus said. But this word see is not just meaning enter. It means see. <laughs> he said you can't understand these things. You can't perceive them and see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. The fact of the new birth qualifies us to understand spiritual realities. Amplified Bible adds this to the word see. It says, know, be acquainted with, and experience the kingdom of God. That's why the new birth puts us all in a position, and this is what we need to understand. Understanding God and His Word and His kingdom is not about mental exercise. And if someone is really smart, if they have an IQ that's going through the roof, they are really qualified and able to perceive things more than others. Not true. You can have a low IQ and have more spiritual perception than someone with a high IQ. Because it's about the very basis of this is something that God does in you from the inside out. When you're born again, you get your eyes opened. And you're now able to perceive and see and understand kingdom realities in your life. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 with me as well. This, uh, this will give us some more along these lines. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. We could say it this way. Those who have not yet been born again. They haven't seen yet. Is the gospel veiled to some? Yes, but who? Those who are perishing. The, listen, 
this is where it gives us a reality check as to why we're here. Why we're saved and know that heaven is our home and, and we're secure in our salvation. Why is that true? It's not because you and I were just so smart. We were just more intelligent than the rest of the world. We just got our act together while other people were goofing off. The fact is, you saw it. The fact is, your eyes were opened. And the gospel came to you, if you have received this, of course. The gospel came to you at one point, and you received it because you saw it. You, in other words, you understood. Wow. I've sinned. I've come short of God's glory. Wow. Jesus paid the price for me. If I'll receive him, I won't be held, in, held to account for my sins. I'm going to get off free. Yeah, I'm going to get saved. I'm going to receive the Lord. But you saw that. You know the people in your family that aren't saved, people, friends you have, others that you know that are not saved, you know why they're not? They haven't seen it yet. That's what the scripture goes on to say. There, see, there's a veil in front of them. And it's keeping them from seeing. Therefore, they can't accurately and adequately choose the right response. He said, the veil to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who's the God of this age? That would be Satan, lowercase g there, not talking about the Lord God talking about the God of this age or he's called the God of this world Satan it is uh, he has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them L look at look at verse 6 for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and so the reason we have light and can walk in this is simply a matter of seeing. The more I can see, the more I can walk in what the Lord has provided for me. But the more I don't see, the more I'm going to walk in a certain degree of darkness and misunderstanding in my life. Okay, so that's number one. Do you qualify? Do you qualify? Have you been born again? If you have, then you're at, the, you're at the qualifying place to receive revelation and understanding of truth. All right, now go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And this is the second point here. Get ready. Number two, key to seeing and understanding is to love the truth. Love the truth. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 10. There we go. 2.10. Well, let's start reading verse 9. It says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved what is necessary to be saved he said they apparently heard the truth but didn't give a rip 
they didn't care about the truth. They loved something other than the truth, and so they were deceived. He said, for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. This is like what we read in Romans 1 last time about people being given over to a debased mind because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. And so basically their eyes were closed. Light was taken away and they were deceived because that's what they chose. Willful looking away from truth. He said in verse 12 here that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And here's the deal. Much of what I am going to see and what revelation is going to come to me is dependent upon how I respond to what I already see. If I respond correctly to the light that I have, more light is given. If I, now this is important, if I love the truth, that qualifies me to recognize it. But this is a bigger issue, I think, than, than we may realize. Oftentimes, people don't really want truth in their life. They want to be right. Or they want whatever will benefit them to, in the, mo- the most, to the biggest degree, independent of whether it's true or not. And that is something we absolutely have to avoid. You know, we've all probably done this in, in, in having a discussion or an argument with another person, maybe a spouse or uh, uh, someone, where we were recounting what had happened previously, where there was disagreement. And so we shaded a little bit. We shaded the story to make ourselves come out in the best light. Now, if you have a conviction about lying, that's good. (laughs) In other words, you're a person of truth. We should all have that. then you'll watch your words very carefully when you do that. And make sure that you do not technically lie. But only give the right details of this story to make it look like you did well. You were right in that regard. And you conveniently leave out, though you didn't lie about it, leave out some of the parts that kind of don't make you look so well has anybody ever done this before (laughs) i didn't think so (laughs) but you'll run into someone along the way that will do that and just so you're aware that it happens see but here's what we must love more than being right more than winning more than being set up to look like we're you know something and someone else did wrong We have to love truth. If I love truth, I'll see truth and I'll recognize right from wrong. But if I'm just interested in propping up myself, that's when I'm going to be blinded. Pride gets in the way. Pride is a blinding force in people's lives. You know, my concern in the day in which we live and in with all the media and, you know, whether it's print media or television or Uh, you know, internet stuff, there's a whole lot of stuff out there that comes across as being fact, and it's not. All day long, people will present things as, as irrefutable, undeniable, absolute truth and fact, 
based on a report that we heard. <laughs> and so much, so much news that comes out, the source is, well, it was reported. Well, by who? Where did that come from? And so many things that are in, you know, newspapers are supposed to be objective, aren't they? Unless it's an opinion piece or something. And they're supposed to be presenting news and, and news, you know, television, when you're talking about whatever, different channels. They're supposed to be presenting fact, but I question much of what's said. And not to be negative, but I'd encourage you to do the same thing. Don't just be quick to swallow hook, line, and sinker every story that's thrown out because so many people have an agenda. They're wanting to make you think a certain way. And there's just a lot of it you can't really trust. And you have to take everything with a grain of salt. And, and, uh, and this is the one thing. You know, I remember, was it, was it Smith Wigglesworth who, who said he wouldn't read the newspaper, wouldn't let a newspaper in his house? He said, why, uh, why would I read half the truth when I could read the whole truth? <laughs> and I think even way back then they didn't believe the newspapers. But it's happening today. You know, I'm real skeptical of all this. Uh, any, anytime you're going to talk about climate, I may look at you and smile, but I don't believe you. Why? Well, because there's a hundred people on one side and a hundred people on the other side, and they're all they're all based their scientific opinions in fact, and they'll be dogmatic to say this is the way it is. And I, I just can't believe it. I'm just gonna be reserved with whose side I'm on, unless it's right in here. But while we're talking about this, there's danger in this too. What do I mean? We all come from different persuasions and different ways of thinking. If you've, been, if you've grown up in churches, in, Christ, in Christianity, you have certain thought ways of looking at different scriptures. Don't deny it. It's the fact. I'm saying I do too. Okay? And even if you've come in and you were saved recently, well, you've been, you've been influenced by other people who, to some degree, lean a certain way in the scriptures. And we must be open to, the, to the, the reality that what we think about the Lord and about His Word could be wrong. Now, I'm not saying throw out what you know, because hopefully much of what you know is founded in Scripture. But I'm telling you, there are probably things that all of us believe about something, you know, in spiritual matters that is not founded in Scripture. It was founded in Grandma. Or a certain church we went to, or someone that had its roots and its basis, and we just haven't recognized it yet. But if we're hearing something different and new to the way things have always been, good. Are you listening now? Good. Don't just throw it out because it's new. If you love the truth, then you seek truth. And if someone says something contrary to the way you've always thought and always believed, what's the problem with that? See, what, what, what bothers me is when someone won't listen. I'm per perfectly, all, perfectly all right with someone presenting an opposing view to something I'm saying. I mean, if you've got a bad attitude, I probably won't hang out too long, but you know what I'm saying? But as far as looking at a different opinion or different view, man, bring it on. Why? Because I might learn something. And if not, if I find out you're wrong, I'm just stronger in what I believe than ever before. 
So we can't be afraid to listen and, 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 and learn and take a, a different uh, approach to a scripture than we've uh, been presented in the past. Love the truth. This is key to seeing, key to understanding. Not love my way. Not love being right. Not love being shown in the best light in every scenario and circumstance. Love the truth. No agenda. No reason behind it. I just want to be right. But when I say that, I want truth. I want to have my life based upon truth more than anything. Amen. All right, let's look at number three. And we'll finish up here. Turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Now here's number three. Number one is the new birth. Number two is a love of the truth. And number three is a willing heart. Number three is a willing heart. This, Jesus made an outstanding statement here in John chapter 7. We'll make a big difference right here. 7 verse 17. Jesus said, If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority what qualified a person to listen to what Jesus was saying and know whether it was from God or whether it was just of a person he said they wanted God's will to be in their life they willed to have his will this again sets aside any kind of selfish motive where truly what I want is myself to be propped up in some fashion. I want to be right about something so someone else is wrong. No, I want the will of God. And if I want the will of God in my life, that qualifies me to see. This is something that only you can do for yourself, me for myself, in the quietness of my privacy with the Lord, where I can be honest and say, Lord, I truly desire your will in my life. That heart qualifies us for accurate perception. And you can't fake it. Nothing I can fake, nothing I can put on. It is only, and listen, does the Lord know this? He's paying attention. He looks at us even right now. And he knows with absolute perfection whether you, whether I truly want his will. And if we do, then we know when something's right. And when something's wrong. Wow. I think that's powerful. Now, some of us, we might be honest and say, you know what? I don't know if I really do want God's will above everything else. I might want a million bucks instead. You know, I might want this position. And I can't make that call for you. But you can make that call for yourself. Because this is one of those things. Everything's open and naked before the Lord. He sees all. 
And she might as well be honest with him. And if, it, if in your heart you would honestly say, you know what, I really want a lot of other things more than I want your will. But if you, would, if you could get to the place where you could say, Lord, but I want to want your will. I want my desire to be for you and what you want more than anything else. Then talk to him that way. And he'll help you get things straightened out. So where you can honestly say, I want the will of God in my life. I want his will to be done. And then that qualifies us to see. You'll recognize, wow, look at that. I never saw that before. It's because you didn't want to see it. You wanted something else more. And this is something, again, only the Lord really knows. And, of course, we know. Now look at John chapter 5. John 5. Hmm. How many know seeking, now we'll get to this, seeking starts on the inside. It's not something we just, it's not just a posture that we take. I'm seeking God, so I'm on my knees, or I'm doing something, uh, you know, natural. Seeking starts, from, remember Jesus said, seek and you'll find, knock and it'll be open, ask will be given unto you. Seeking is something that comes from the inside. If you truly desire to see, you're seeking God. You're seeking an answer, and it's coming from the inside. Only you know that. But when you get to that place, he said you will find it. Maybe some of our seeking, we've kind of gone through the motions, and I know, okay, I need to pray about this. I've got this job opportunity. I've got this business opportunity. I, I guess I need to seek the Lord about that. Lord, you want me to do it? All right. And in other words, we know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to check in with the Lord because He's Lord. But in reality, we're not from a heart level seeking to see. And listen, and we're open to either way. That's really a big key. How many know if you want something, if you want something really bad really really bad when you go to seek you're only open to one option <laughs> and that can be a big hindrance to seeing clearly again the qualifier here was they will his will his will could be either way on this decision you have to make but if you're only open to one decision you don't qualify to see. You won't see anything. And this is, I'm not saying this was going to be easy. But you know, a person wants to marry someone else. This guy sees this girl and she's got it going on. And he wants, and he's. <laughs> Sorry, I saw that. <laughs> he really wants this. And, but he's a Christian, so he knows, I've got to pray about this and make sure this is the right one. Make sure this is the right decision. But he wants her so bad, he's not open to the Lord saying no. He doesn't qualify to hear an answer. That's why some of these things take more than five minute, a five-minute prayer. They take 
some time in the settling of the emotions and so we can get to the place where we're honest with ourselves and say if the Lord says no I'm, okay, I'm going to do that if the Lord says yes I'm going to do that great business opportunity Woo! this is it you've got to get to the place where you can literally pray get before God if he says no you're good with that and if, his, if he says yes you're good with that that's the only time we qualify to see, to, as he said, to know whether this doctrine that he was teaching, to know whether it's of God or not. Praise the Lord. John chapter 5, verse 39. Jesus said here, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life is it possible for someone to read the bible and not come to the lord yeah you know it happens every day people read the bible and don't come to the lord and jesus said that here as well this tells us a number of things one is that it's not just about an intellectual study of god's word we parse words and, and look at all and, and study languages. And I'm really, I'm a theologian now. I really understand the Bible. You might not know the author, though. That's a problem. This is not like any other book. If I read a novel, not really a big deal if I don't know the author. Because it's just for my entertainment. But if I read this and don't come to him, I've wasted some time. Okay? That's the goal. But he said, that's what you guys are doing. He said, you guys, you read the scriptures, and I'm standing right here. And you're not coming to me. Why? They weren't willing. He said, you're not willing to come to me to receive the truth. And this is where a willing heart is critical, that, that when we seek the Lord, when we read his word, we're seeking and following after him, that we have a heart that is willing to come to him and recognize him not all about just our human effort that's going to get us there it's about saying lord you show me if i can read the scripture and not come to him i want to make sure that's not happening with me so my approach needs to be lord i want to see you in the word when i read when i see what you've you've written i want to hear from you i want to know you and if i'm wrong about something fine because I love the truth. Lord, that's point number two. <laughs> Lord, I, want the, I, I love the truth more than I love being correct in my position. I love the truth, so I'm open to change. I'm open to adjustment. If you tell me to go a completely different direction, I'm good with that. That opens. Now, I'm not talking about gullibility. Again, we're not gullible. To the, like we said, read the newspaper. You believe it all, you're gullible. You know, just like I wrote it on the ceiling right there above your head. You know that they actually took that word out of the dictionary? The word gullible is no longer in the dictionary. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, uh, a willing heart is necessary. And this is a willingness. This is an openness to the Lord. And it's 
it's not a position where I have to be stuck in the things that I've always believed because I could be wrong. You open to that? Yeah. But you're right about a lot of stuff too, you know that? No need to get in the dumps, get depressed over it. There are a lot of things you understand about the Lord and you're absolutely right. The Lord wants to show you those things even more. Amen. We're, gonna, we're putting ourselves in a position to see. There's a great revelation the Lord wants to reveal to us in this day. And in your life, He wants you to see things that you've never seen before. And what's it going to do? It's going to produce a freedom, a greater freedom than you've ever known. Praise God. Oh, this is so good. Man, this is going to be a good year, isn't it? Oh, good year. And if you hold on to the truth, it'll last the rest of your life. Not just a quick fix. I got a prayer and it changed everything. Well, I got truth that stayed with me. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you today for being with us. Thank you for your blessings in our hearts, in our lives, in this house. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of each person again today. Open the eyes of their understanding. That they may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the glorious riches of your inheritance in the saints. And the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe. Thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you today. For each and every one. Lord, that anointing to see just goes out. I just thank you, even right now. Eyes are open, visions come, revelations come, angelic hosts are, are, are loosed and are set into motion on behalf of the heirs of salvation. Lord, to bring messages and to bring uh, understanding and clarification of things we need to see today to carry out your great plan, to carry out the great future that you have for us. Lord, thank you for opening our eyes today. You're a good God. You're a faithful Lord. Faithful, faithful, faithful in everything you do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for those today that have never been saved. They're in here today, but have not been born.